0: Hey, our thanks to Steve and the band. You know, feelings come alive at Christmas, and uh, feelings of great joy, but also often for us there are areas of great sadness in the holidays as well, and that's why it's really totally legit to say, that's why I need the Savior, who's described as wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace, and mighty God. God sent the Savior. So that he would be the one who gave us hope, who gave us a life, and gave us the comfort we need as well. So welcome to everybody. Thank you for coming to the second service. Um, there is no way on earth we would have accommodated all the people who have been in here this morning. We were totally packed out last Sunday, and uh, that was a week before Christmas Eve. So thank you for coming to second service. And those of you who are thinking this morning, it's great, I get to sleep late. And he thanks me for it. So there you go. So uh, really, do, really do appreciate that. It's been a wonderful month for us here celebrating Christmas together. If you're visiting today, um, you know, you're probably still hung up on if you've never seen anyone baptized in a horse trough, right? It's, it's like you, you, haven't, you probably haven't got beyond that yet. So uh, uh, don't let it spoil your whole morning. Uh, it's just what we do. We're not your typical church and uh, we set out not to be your typical church. In fact, we set out to be a church where folks could be feel at home who weren't comfortable in traditional church. No disrespect to them either, but you know, this is a church for people who don't do church, so we do things they don't do in proper churches, like baptize people in horse troughs. So we're going to do that next Sunday, which is a great conclusion to our year. Let's just pray for a moment, and then uh, I want to come to our teaching for this morning. Father, thank you for the blessing of being together, of worshipping together, of just experiencing over again some of the tremendous awe of this Christmas season. Lord, speak to our hearts as we open your word, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, what we've done over the last few Sunday mornings is we've been looking at a series which was called Home for Christmas. And we've been looking at a few things about home that actually um, are reflected in the Christmas story. So a few weeks ago, we looked at home as a place of total acceptance. And we're reminded that Christmas shows us that God totally accepts us. And then last week, we looked at the fact that home is a place of joy and that Christ came. As the giver of real eternal joy. And today I wanna to look at the fact that home is a place of precious memories. Many of our homes this time of year are full of memories. We pull the stuff out of the attic or the basement or whatever, and we pull it out and we put stuff on the tree. And you know, we've got stuff, we've got a cable car, but well, a little one. We've got a cable car we bought in San Francisco on our 25th wedding anniversary so that's a memory because that was a long time ago and then we've got a little ornament of the taj mahal that we got in india believe it or not yeah because that's where the taj is we got in the taj mahal when we were celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary and different place, and you know you do the same deal right your, your tree itself is full of memories and your home is and Even some of the things you do. Some of you might be here today because it's what you do on Christmas Eve and have done. It's part of your tradition. And that's all good. Precious memories. I've been thinking back to when I was a kid. I grew up in a city called Exeter in the southwest of England. And when I was a kid, there were two main things that we were particularly excited about in town at Christmas time. There was Walton's department store, and there of course was Woolworths. Rest in peace. <laughs> but but there was there was the two. There was Walton's and there was Woolworths. And, and we're excited about those two for totally different reasons. One is, uh, could we take a look at that picture, G, please? One is that's before my time, okay? <laughs> uh, just One is that Santa came to Walton's. And every year Santa came to Walton's and and he was in there. And they had this huge thing set up in a part of the store where you walked along this guided passageway. And every twist and turn, there was a different Christmas scene or something there. And then you'd make the final turn, and here was the big man in all his glory. And we loved when Santa came to Walton's. That was huge. And then a hundred yards along the high street, there was Woolworth. And the big thing about Woolworth at Christmas, things were different back then, okay? The big thing about Woolworths is we got excited when they set up a huge nativity scene every year in their main store window. And, and, and you know, word would come out, the nativity scene's in Woolworths, nativity scene's in Woolworths. And and any reason we could, we'd get up to the town to take a look at Woolworth, and I'd stand and look in the window and see this unbelievably well-done nativity scene. So we had Santa in Waltons and Jesus in Woolworth, and all was well with the world. (laughs) But the thing is, as time went by, Waltons wasn't quite as interesting as I got older. But Woolworth's window was even more fascinating to me as I started to get interested in Jesus and why he came. Precious memories. Memories that have stuck with me. In, in, in Luke's gospel, chapter 2, it talks about the shepherds going to see the baby Jesus. And then it says this in Luke 2, verse 17. When they left the stable. It says this, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story expressed astonishment. So when they left, understandably, they couldn't wait to tell anybody and everybody that Jesus was born. That was the shepherd's response. They had experienced something absolutely incredible that night that, that, that actually they were the privileged few who got to be there. And they went out and told the world. And then I thought it was interesting in the very next verse, here's what it says to us about Mary in verse 19. But Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart, and often thought about them. They blurted the news out. Mary kept a hold of the memories, and often would think about them. Precious memories. For many of us here this morning, the events in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago and uh, in Jerusalem, 33 years after that, those events have actually changed our lives and have changed our eternities. But it may be for some of us here this Christmas Eve that, y- you know what, life's overtaken us and other things have really uh, made demands upon us and we've lost sight of what the Christmas story is really about and we've lost sight of the mystery and the wonder of Jesus coming to save us. And if that's your case, I've got a real simple question to ask you this morning. Was life better when you believed? I don't mean in Santa Claus. Was life better when you believed? I thank God today that I can stand here and tell you I still believe. I still believe. I still believe in the virgin birth. I still believe in it. So what, why, why am I making a statement about that? What, why, what's the big deal about this? I believe Christ came into the world in an absolutely miraculous and remarkable way. Now, the Bible said it would happen 600 years before it did. In Isaiah 7, 14, the prophet Isaiah said this. He said, the Lord himself will give you a sign The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So 600 years before he came, Isaiah said, the day's going to come when there's a virgin who's going to have a child and he will be God with us. And then if you fast forward into Matthew's gospel, chapter one, it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Isaiah said there's a virgin who's going to have a baby who will be God. And then in Matthew it says, here's how it happened. There was Mary and Joseph, and they have never had sex, but she got pregnant. And it was through the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a whole thing here. Jesus needed to be fully divine, so he was sinless and could be our Savior. But he needed to be human so that he could take our place at the cross. So he was fully divine and he was fully human and he was, he, he, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you look at that and say, well, he, yeah, right, roger I've got a bridge I'd like to talk to you about. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. I totally believe in the virgin birth. And I'll tell you why I believe in the virgin birth. Because though I can't understand it, it's all mysterious, it's all marvelous, but I believe it. You see, if we limit our lives to what we can understand, we're going to live in a small world, aren't we? As I'm speaking here now, there are people that are watching us all over this country and in other countries too. Now, don't ask me, you know, really? I'm standing here, there, wherever. Now, how does that happen? I don't know how that happens. There's three cameras around here, and we take camera shots, and we've got someone at the back who is mixing the, the, the camera sh- feed there and putting it together, and it goes into the computer and it goes off into the internet, wherever that is. Right? And, and, and it goes out, and it's no, but how do they? How does that work? How does it work? I don't know how that works. I don't understand how it works. I don't know how a camera over there, and there, or there, a camera pointed at me, uh, means that my image and my voice goes out of this building and is being heard in other countries right now. And they're looking at me in other countries right now and saying, Really? He's wearing a tie this week? I can scrub up when I need to. I don't know how that works. I've got no idea, but I'm not going to stand here and say, I don't believe it. Not happening. And I look at what the Bible says about the virgin birth of Christ, and I don't say, don't believe it, that couldn't happen. I say, wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. I believe in the virgin birth. I wanna tell you this. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe God made the world in six days. I believe Jesus was thoroughly dead and came back to life again. I believe Peter walked on water. I believe five loaves and two fishes fed 5,000 people. I believe God parted the Red Sea and Moses and the children of Israel walked through on dry land. I believe Elijah never died but was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. And I believe all that because I believe in a God who is far bigger than I am. That's what it's about. God is far bigger than I am. Way more complex than I could ever understand. And I refuse to limit God to what I can fathom in my head. Because sometimes what goes on in my head is crazy. All right, there you go. I said it publicly. <laughs> I, can't ref- I can't limit God to what I can understand. So faith takes me beyond that and says, yeah, this was miraculous because the reality is the alternative to believing is I am the be-all and end-all of everything. The alternative to believing is this, the limit for me of my world, of this life, of the future is what I am able to understand. And I want to tell you this, I need a God who's bigger than I am. I need a God who is more in control than I am in control. So often we say to people, you got this, you got this, you got this. That's a great statement of encouragement. But let me tell you the truth about life. I ain't got this. And you ain't got this either. Right? Now we're all looking at our Christmas Eve best, but we ain't got this. We haven't. We haven't. haven't. I need a God who is greater than I am. I need a God who will take care of what I can't take care of. I need a God who can promise me peace, encouragement, hope. I need a God who can give me the assurance of a place in heaven that's eternal where I will be forever with Jesus and with those I love who've gone on before. I need a God who's bigger than me. So I believe in the miraculous and I believe in the virgin birth because it tells me again how big my God is. The second thing I think of when I reflect on that nativity scene is this. While I believe in the virgin birth, I believe Jesus is the Savior. I still believe that Jesus is the Savior. The birth of Jesus was such a momentous event that it basically split history. You have B.C., before Christ. You have A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Before Jesus, with Jesus. His birth split history. It is also the dividing point in the Bible. The Old Testament was before Christ. The New Testament is about Christ and after. Actually, it's interesting. The the Old Testament ends with the book of the prophet Malachi. And then the New Testament starts with Matthew talking about the birth of Jesus. Jesus. All you do is you turn one page, and you've gone from the Old Testament to the New Testament, just like that. I turn a single page, but actually that page represents 400 years of human history there's something else. There was this gap of 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. You know why there's a gap and you know why there's nothing on this page? Because there's no record of God speaking to his people for 400 years. No prophet was writing things to guide them, to advise them, to warn them. There was nothing. It's like God was quiet and things were spiritually dark for 400 years. Heaven was silent. For all those centuries, and then the silence was finally broken by the cry of a baby that Christmas night. Christ came into the world, the hope of the world. Or, as the Bible often puts it, as the light of the world. Back to the prophet Isaiah, who was prophesying the coming of Jesus. Isaiah 9 and verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in a land of deep shadows, light, sunbursts of light. Jesus came to bring light to those living in darkness, hope to those engulfed by despair, and to make a way back to God for all who had wandered. Light in our darkness and I don't know what's going on in any of your lives this time of the year, but if you're going through a dark, difficult time, I want to remind you that if you will look up and trust him, Jesus is the one who came to bring light into our darkness. Jesus is the Savior there's something fascinating about the shepherds coming to Jesus that i I want to share with you you might not have heard before and that that is this in the in, in the Old Testament part of the Bible it, when people sinned the the thing they had to do was bring an animal sacrifice the animal was killed and like you know it's as a substitute for the person the animal died so that i don 't need to be to die as a punishment for my sin and and so they would bring an animal, and one of the things that was important about the animal, which was often a lamb, was the lamb had to be perfect. The lamb was a sacrifice for a person's sins. It had to have no blemish on its fleece or no, 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 um, no disability in its body. It had to be an absolutely perfect lamb. And what would happen is this. There were, there, there were people who would raise lambs specifically of a good pedigree that could be used for sacrifice. So if I'm a carpenter, there were a few of them about then, I think. If I was a carpenter, I mean, I might not have lambs, so, but I need a lamb for sacrifice. So I go off someplace and get a lamb. And actually, Bethlehem had a reputation for being a place where pure lambs were bred. Then you take the lamb to the priest who would sacrifice it. Now, our picture of a manger has been handed down from, I don't know who the first artist was who put, showed us the manger as a wooden kind of thing, right, with X-shaped thing at each end and a bit of straw thrown in the middle. But actually, a manger was, whoa, a manger was something that was made out of stone and was solid, and a lamb, a perfect lamb, when it was born, and and the manger was for the perfect lamb, would be wrapped in cloth to protect it, and then laid in this stone manger so that nothing would harm it. So the perfect lamb who was fit for sacrifice would be in a manger. You with me so far? Now, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, they said this. They said, to you today there is born in Bethlehem a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And here's what they went, the angel went on to say. And, and this is the sign I'm going to give you that he is the Savior. The sign is you will find him wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And when the angels came to see Jesus, they came into that stable and there he was. That was where sacrificial lambs were kept. That was where unblemished lambs were protected. And there is this baby who is wrapped in cloth and he is lying in a manger. And he was the one of whom John the Baptist later said this. In John 1.36 it says, As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. Jesus came to be the sacrifice for your sins and mine. The perfect Lamb of God. And trusting him, embracing what he has done for us, I receive God's forgiveness and I receive the gift of eternal life. That perfect lamb is why we celebrate Christmas. The lamb of God is who Jesus was. I still believe Jesus is the Savior. And then let me just say this and bring it home to a personal experience. I still believe Jesus came for me. I still believe that Jesus came for me. Best known verse in the Bible, John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Look at that verse. Right in the middle of that verse, it says God, God sent Jesus. He gave Jesus to us that whoever believes. Now, I know you've got a name but you're in that whoever as well. If the gift of eternal life is for whoever, then it's for you and it's for me and it's for anybody who will believe. From our perspective, if we will believe, we will receive the gift of eternal life. From God's perspective, there's a slightly different angle. John 15 and verse 16. Jesus said to his followers, you didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you. The breadth of God's love is seen in John 3, 16. Whoever believes. But actually, the focus of God's love is seen in John 15, 16. I chose you. I believe that Jesus came for me. And I believe that Jesus is concerned and interested in every one of us as individuals. I was talking to a young woman before um, our first service this morning, and, and she was talking about what an absolutely radical year this has been for her since she came to put her faith in Christ. Absolutely, her life has been dramatically changed. And I said, you know what the tragedy is? A lot of people think if they become real followers of Jesus, their life's going to end. It's like, you know, you, know you, you decide to become a... Unfortunately, Christians have given us a bad rap. They really have, haven't they? You know, some of the judgmental, condemnatory, miserable Christians that are around this world, it's like, Jesus, take them to heaven, make them happy. <laughs> right? right? It really is, you know. They they know the Lord. Take them to heaven. Let them be happy because they're giving us a bad reputation. Because here's the reality. To know Christ is to know real life. To know Christ is to find the fulfillment of everything that He wants for us and everything that He promised to us. He doesn't want us you know, God doesn't want us just to become religious. God doesn't just want us to become church attenders. God wants to bless us with the gift of eternal life that begins right here and now. And that's why Jesus came. And I can receive eternal life through recognizing He is the Savior and owning Him as my Lord. Trusting Him. Will change your life now and forever. The best memory you can ever make at Christmas is to embrace Jesus as your Savior. Absolutely. I remember, I remember the day then when I did. It was May the 13th, 1962, and it was 1.10 in the afternoon. I had just been born. No, I hadn't. Alright, so some of you were wondering, right? May the 13th, 1962, at 1.10 in the afternoon. How do you remember all that detail, Roger, when you can't remember to bring milk? Because <laughs> it changed my life. And it changed my eternity. And it shaped my outlook on so many things. It was a transforming experience. The best thing you can do is to embrace the Christ of Christmas, the Savior of the world. Waltons and Woolworth. Neither of them's there anymore. The magic of Waltons dwindled as I got older. The wonder of Woolworths has continued, I believe. I believe in a God who's bigger than I am. I believe that Jesus came as the Savior. And I believe that Jesus came for me. And I want to encourage you this Christmas time. Give thanks to God that he sent Jesus to be your Savior. And if you have never fully accepted Jesus as your Lord, Make this Christmas the best Christmas ever by opening your heart and your life to Him. My sister was going through a very difficult period in her life a few years ago. She'd never been a Christian, she was a party animal. Not that Christians don't do parties, but (laughs) she'd never been at all interested. And uh, she went through this very difficult time in her life. She came over to spend a few weeks with us, and uh, loved our church and what was happening here and how we are and who we are. And she said to me, "If I, if I, if there was a church like this near me, I'd go to it." And when she went home, she went to see the chiropractor. And the, the receptionist said to her, "Haven't seen you in a while, Pat. What have you been doing?" She said, I, "I went to see my brother in New York." I said, "New York? Why? What's he doing in New York?" he's the pastor of a church really what kind of a church I said, well i don't know it's not your normal kind of church it's very warm and friendly and they feed the homeless and they help the poor and they they, they do a lot of other things like that and uh, she said I, I wish you know i wish there was a church like that around here she said my church is like that and pat started going to church And on Christmas Eve, I think it was 11 or 12 years ago, I got an email from my sister. And she said, in our Christmas service tonight, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. She'd been circling around on the outside for months. But that Christmas Eve, She gave her life to Christ. You may have been circling around things for months or years. But I want to encourage you this Christmas Eve, open your heart to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. As we pray now, I just want to give you a moment for yourself to just just talk to God in your own language from your own heart, just quietly. And you may want to say something like, Lord Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin. And thank you for dying to pay the penalty for them. Lord, please give me today the gift of eternal life. Thank you for hearing me. Father, I pray for everyone here today that really needs you. Father, I pray that as they reach out to you, I pray, Lord God, they'll touch you in a life-changing way. Let your blessing, let your peace, Lord, enter their hearts, I pray, and let them know that you have met them and given them your life. Amen. Amen. Now, I just want to say two things as we draw to a close. Number one, if you generally make the last song your exit song, stick around because it's a really good song, okay? And uh, the other thing I want to say is this. Our poinsettias have served us well for a month. But um, they're like me. They're a little worn. they perhaps, you know, looked a little better. Um, But if any of you would like to take a poinsettia and show it some TLC, please do feel free just to come and take one at the end of service and to take it home with you and see if you can bring about a miracle of resurrection. All right, so uh, let's stand and let's sing this with the band.